welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, good morning. I always love seeing the Memorial Day crowd. You are the suckers without cabins, I guess. <laughs> or as I like to call us, the faithful. <laughs> uh, well, this morning uh, we are in a series called Enter. Uh, the last few weeks we have been exploring uh, really what it means to cultivate intimacy with God and what it means to be in relationship with God. Uh, and so there has been a group of us walking through some of this and, and this process that um, is not necessarily prescriptive, but, but some things that we've found to be helpful as it relates to connecting with God and knowing God and, and stepping into the work of God in the world. And so we are proposing that oftentimes this starts with stopping, to have a regular time where we intentionally stop and set aside time uh, to be with God and, and, and to rest. And, and in doing that, uh, we begin to see as God sees, and we begin to hear in God's voice, and we recognize what it is we bring, and we ultimately respond to the invitations of God in the world. And so this morning, we are talking about hearing. Uh, and I wanted to start this morning with a memory of mine uh, from when I was nine years old. Uh, when I was in third grade, I was in Mrs. Walton's class, and to know nine-year-old Jenna was to know that the worst thing that could happen was to get in trouble. And I, I think I probably had a pretty skewed view of what trouble was and what warranted getting in trouble. But I was such a sensitive kid that just held guilt so deeply. And so I have these memories burned into my mind of, of getting in trouble. And there was one day uh, when I was in Mrs. Walton's class. And I don't know, do kids still bring snack to school? Is that a thing? Okay. So my mom packed me a little thing of Wheat Thins. And we, had the, we didn't have the Ziploc bags. We had the fold-over ones, which, man... It was the worst. <laughs> uh, and so I, I was sitting in my desk, and I was starving, and I snuck a piece of my snack, and Michael B., who was sitting in front of me, apparently caught wind of this, and he turned around, and he announced to the entire class that I was sneaking my snack, and Mrs. Walton stopped the middle, in the middle of class and called me out and said, Jenna, it's not time for snack, which is a totally reasonable thing to do. Um, but sweet little Jenna just burst into tears. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you're eating the wheat thins and it's all <laughs> over. It's just pretty gross, but it, it was terribly <laughs> traumatic. And I have this memory uh, just burned in uh, to my mind. And oftentimes when I got in trouble, like, I, I still hold these memories. And um, unfortunately, what has happened with those memories is there has been a word connected to it, and it's obedience. I don't know if anyone else is affected by certain words, uh, but that, that was the word that I associated with getting in trouble because I heard all of the authority figures in my life say... Jenna, 
you were disobedient in this moment. And it's important to be obedient. And so, up until very recently, I still am affected when I come across the word obedience, that it triggers some of those memories in me, uh, which makes reading the Bible sometimes a little annoying, because that word is all over the place. And so this morning, we are in a passage uh, where that dirty little word is in there. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we are in Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 6. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him, with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from the nations where he scattered you. Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it. He will make you more than prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Pray with me. God, for eyes to see and ears to hear, the goodness of your word and the gift of gathering. I ask that you would make us present to you, that we would know what it means to hear. In your name we pray, amen. So this is a beautiful passage about return and restoration, which is why it's particularly annoying that the only thing I can hear is obey. <laughs> This is Moses' final sermon to the people. Uh, the people have been wandering in the wilderness for the last 40 years after being delivered uh, from Egypt, and they are on the brink of entering into the Promised Land. And so the book of Deuteronomy is a book of words and warnings and encouragement and, and really a, a way of building an identity for a people who are on the brink of an entirely new way exi of existence. And this particular passage is especially fascinating because the words are coming to people who are not yet in the promised land. They're in the wilderness. But there is something being talked about here. And I did not catch it until I was studying with a group of people. And what is being talked about here is when the Israelites are in exile. And so in the biblical history, exile happens two times to Israel, first by the Assyrians, then by the Babylonians. And the story that is being told here about the people returning and being gathered is that the people, when they would experience exile, God will bring them back. And yet in order to do that, the people must turn and obey. I had the gift and privilege of studying this passage with a group of people this fall. Um, Steph Spencer, who leads 
uh, Bible study here on the first Wednesday of the month, I, I was in a room with her and we were studying this particular passage and we come across this dumb word, obey, and I immediately am reacting to it. Uh, and she asks us, does anyone know what the literal Hebrew translation of this is? And, and I've taken Hebrew. I don't know if you all know I'm in the National Hebrew Honor Society. Um, man. <laughs> I do actually have a certificate that I look at. <laughs> I don't remember it, though. <laughs> um, so anytime that question comes across, I always get a little arrogant. And I'm like, yeah, I probably know. I just forgot. Um, <laughs> And, and she begins to talk about uh, this particular word in the Hebrew, and I learn that there is not actually a word for obedience in the Hebrew. Huh. It's actually the word to hear, which is different. And so Steph said... The literal translation of this particular sentence that I'm all caught up on is this. Turn to the Lord your God and hear in his voice with all of your mind and all of your being. Hear in his voice. Well, that is very different than obedience and what I was holding and so this morning, we are going to talk about what it means to hear in God's voice and what it means to actually hear God. Um, this is a really uh, interesting conversation topic for me, and I, I think, hopefully being a good communicator this morning, I think sometimes when we talk about a topic like hearing God, it's helpful for you to know how I come to this. And so I come with a few assumptions. The first is that I assume that God still speaks. That the divine is in communication with creation. And the second thing I assume is that we can actually hear that when God speaks and when God seeks to reveal God's self, that we have an ability to hear and understand what it is that God is communicating. And the third thing I bring to this is that I assume the voice of God takes many different forms. Uh, that it might come in a friend. That it might come in the still small voice. Uh, that it might come in silence or nature or a moment when you notice something that you didn't see before. And so I feel like it's important that, that you know this about me because hearing God tends to be a pretty nuanced conversation, I think. First and foremost, in this conversation about hearing God and what it means to hear in God's voice, I think it could be helpful if we named something that probably all of us are assuming, but maybe we don't realize. Because my guess is that if I were to poll all of you and I were to ask, in your experience, would you say that hearing God is easy? Most of us would probably be like, well, maybe. I don't, I don't really know. And some of us might have moments where, yes, it was very clear, but a lot of times it's a little more nuanced and it requires some discernment. And I think a part of the reason that is is because we understand hearing to be a primarily physical process, meaning that hearing is audible. Hearing is words and sounds outside of us that, that 
we can hear physically. And literally what's happening is our body is converting the energy and sound waves into nerve impulses that our brain interprets. And so the ability to hear is how we are kept safe. It warns us. It helps us uh, understand and engage and interpret the world around us. The physical process of hearing has a lot to do with being able to understand what is happening around us. And so when we, when we talk about hearing God, I think sometimes we can hold that assumption and, um, and get stuck. I know I have. Uh, I was in a conversation with a group of people actually talking about hearing God. And this particular person just brought something that man, I feel like I should have known, uh, but changed everything. And this particular person had been working with the deaf community and having this conversation about physical hearing and, and ability to understand and interpret and engage the world uh, just changed because what Katie shared was um, what happens in the body when your senses are dulled, when one is not as strong as the other, your other senses are heightened and they compensate. Uh, and so the idea, of sense, or the idea of sight and smell and taste and feeling is all the more amplified when your sense of hearing is uh, not functioning normally. And so in this, she was talking about how... Um, the experience of the deaf community of the deaf community of music, that it's not a primarily audible process, but it is something that is felt in the body. And that the deaf community have, have this uh, depth of understanding that the hearing community, man, it maybe just takes us a minute to get there. And so when we talk about hearing God and this physical uh, idea of hearing, is it possible that in hearing we use more than just our ears? That if hearing is primarily about understanding and uh, knowing what God is saying, is it possible that this is a sensory experience? That it is not just physical? And if we return to our passage uh, in one translation, Moses says, when you have experienced all these things, both the blessings and the curses I have set before you, you will reflect upon them in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. Then, if you and your descendants turn to the Lord your God and hear in his voice. And I just find it so fascinating that what Moses is inviting the people to do is to reflect on their experience. That in the midst of exile and the blessing and the curse that is in front of them, he is asking them to reflect upon it. And that that is the precursor to hearing in God's voice. That, that then they turn and they hear and they interpret and they understand their reality through God's voice. It paints this picture that is so much bigger than audible and dialogue. And so, is it possible that in this conversation of hearing God and, and what it means to hear in God's voice, is it possible that it's with more than our ears? Because we understand and interpret the work of God in the world with more than just that. Is it possible that we hear God through pictures and images 
and conversation? And is it possible that we hear God in a, in a weird nudge as you walk by a stranger? And is it possible that we hear God when we look up and we see our favorite flower? Like, is it possible that God is speaking through more than just words? And yet, in those moments, can we understand? And so if we can acknowledge and, and agree, or at least entertain the idea that we can actually hear God and that it involves all of our senses, there's this second question that comes up for me, and mostly it's like, how do you know it's God? <laughs> right? <laughs> How do I know that it's not just me? This is where people make fart jokes sometimes, where they talk about you ate a bad burrito, so it's either gas or God. Anyone? <laughs> Has no one ever heard that joke? <laughs> but, but truly, I, I think there is some real tension between, like, am I making this up or is this God? And not only just me and God, but what about the voices of our family? and society, and the media, and our friends, and, and all of the competing voices uh, that are asking for authority and, and power in our lives. And so how is it that we discern that? And in part, I think to hear in God's voice means that we have to acknowledge that there are other voices too. Uh, we see this in our passage, that the reality of the people is that they are in exile, they have been taken captive, they are in a foreign land, and the surrounding voices are their oppressors who are not necessarily out for their good. There are voices that are producing death and destruction and curse in the lives of the Israelites. There are voices that are seeking to use the people for their own end. And so I feel like and, and Moses, in the midst of all of that and the reality of what it means to be a people in exile and to be surrounded by foreign voices that are not for you, Moses is saying, turn and hear in his voice. And so in order to hear in God's voice, I think we have to acknowledge that there are voices of death and destruction too. And sometimes those are the voices that have the most power. And those are the voices that we lend ourselves to the most. Think about nine-year-old Jenna. Sometimes I just really wish I were friends with my nine-year-old self, because I think I would really connect. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about those moments of, of getting in trouble and um, not intended, but what I internalized in those moments that like I heard shame and guilt and the sneaky thing about guilt and shame is that those are voices that you tend to assume that are the most true about you and so any countering voice can be really hard to shake some of that up um, and yet it seems as though God's voice is still working and present in all of those things. That for me, it showed up in a moment uh, in a Bible study where all of a sudden, the thing, the word that was triggering me started to shift. And I realized, oh, maybe it's different. And maybe there's a voice of life that is combating the shame. And so this morning, 
I want to end really practically and really simply um, to this question of what it means to hear in God's voice and how do we know it's God's voice. And pretty simply, I would just say because there's life, we know that it's God's voice because there's life. The picture in our passage is one of return and one of gathering and one of redemption and restoration. And sometimes the reality of hearing in God's voice is that it's hard. Um, the preacher is going rogue a little bit right now. Um, and I, I wanted to share um, something with all of you because you are my people. And... Um, most of you probably don't know because I'm not very good at talking about myself. Um, the last month, I have had some vision problems um, where I can't see in my right eye. And uh, I found out this past week that the syndrome they think I have um, is either going to go away or it's permanent, which is cool, uh, to be between that. Um, but this particular thing, if it is permanent, there is not treatment. Um, that it just is. Because it's so rare, and they don't really know what causes it, and they don't really know how to fix it. And so... This past week, it's been terribly ironic to be doing a sermon on senses, because um, I can't see. <laughs> um, and yet, like, how do you hear in God's voice in the midst of very real um, pain and grief that um, I'm not the only one holding I know all of you have your stuff too. Um, and I have to believe that God's voice is still speaking into this. A friend of mine just sent me a check for $1,000 to pay for medical bills. Things like that that sometimes it's in the very tangible, physical things that we hear in God's voice in the midst of exile. Um, I'm not a very good pastor if I don't actually share what's happening. And so please don't experience this as me derailing <laughs> the sermon um, but mostly because you're my people and I need you and I don't really know how to grieve that um,
episode to hearing God's voice. There has been a prayer that I have been sitting in this week that just works so well. So as we transition into this next part of our gathering, uh, I'd like to invite John Mark and the band up uh, and invite us into a time of silence where maybe we can engage all of our senses in an attempt to hear in God's voice. So maybe just close your eyes and receive these words. You are the voice we can scarcely hear because you speak to us about dying and suffering. And we are impacted by so many voices that have to do with power and competence and success. We do know that you are the voice that gives life, that you are the voice that opens futures to people who are hopeless. We are a part of a hopeless people because the other voices eat at our hearts and we are immobilized and we become deaf. So we pray for new ears. We pray that your voice may be more audible to us, that we may be able to sort out the death-giving from the life-giving voices among us. We pray in the name of Jesus, through whom you have spoken in such inscrutable ways. Amen. I never want to be a part of a community that doesn't let their leaders actually show you who they are and what they're holding. And so thank you for letting me be a little weak. and a blessing to hear in God's voice. Grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community. Or on Twitter, when we think community. See you next time.